Hi, I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Do you sometimes wonder what's going to happen? What's going to happen? You're worried about what's going to happen in the future. What's going to happen in this relationship? Is it all going to work out? What's going to happen with this situation in my workplace or in my parish or in my family? Will we have enough money? Are we parenting our kids well? What's going to happen? Do you sometimes feel that anxiety, that worry in your life? Or do you ever agonize? Over, over decisions, you know, whether it's really big decisions like a move or a job or a relationship or big purchase or, or little decisions like, uh, what am I going to order on the menu? There's so many choices. <laughs> uh, sometimes we could be afraid to fully commit. Uh, we can put off decisions and maybe we change our mind a lot and we second guess. You know, all these things could be a sign of a certain weakness that's keeping us from living in the peace that God wants us to have. But not only that, it's keeping us from giving the best of ourselves to the people around us. Uh, And if we don't go after this weakness, this lack of decisiveness in our heart, in our character, it'll have an impact, a negative impact on the people in our lives. Now, Now, don't get me wrong. Having good foresight, thinking things through is really important. That's a part of prudence. And having healthy concern to make a good decision is certainly a good virtuous thing. But anytime we lose our interior peace or anytime we feel paralyzed or we have difficulty following through on a decision, following through on things that are difficult, that, that are hard to do, that, that's a sign of a certain weakness, a certain character flaw that God wants to work on in us. And I want to talk today about some of the wonderful insights from the saints, particularly St. Thomas Aquinas, on the virtue of decisiveness and how important that is for our daily lives. So welcome to All Things Catholic podcast. I'm your host, Edward Sree, and I'm so thrilled to be back with you again. And I, I am so blessed to have been at this amazing conference in Wichita, Kansas. It's the the famous Catholic Family Conference that it gathers thousands of people from all over the Midwest every year. Uh, so it's the Midwest Catholic Family Conference. They had about 2,500 people in the big convention center. It was amazing to have humanity together all again. It was just a, a great blessing to see so many great families, great men and women of God uh, together. So, so thankful. I was able to give a talk for the first time on my brand new book. So the book I've been talking about recently, The Art of Living, The Cardinal Virtues and the Freedom of Love. So it was the first time giving a talk on the brand new book and signing books for people there. Again, that, that, was, that was awesome. I want to mention something to all of you, though. Um, it's, it's great, you know, when I get to go out and go give a presentation at a parish or a conference. But, you know, sometimes people maybe, you know, especially in this era of COVID, it's not possible. And I want to talk about a way that I can come visit you. Uh, that's really easy. I did this all last year, and we're announcing uh, moving forward with these in this next academic year here, this next school year coming up. I'd love to visit your small group. If you have a men's group, a women's group, a Bible study group, I'd love to drop in and lead a little session. So what we do is I do an hour-long session with your group, and uh, maybe I I lead for about uh, 30 minutes, give a short presentation, and then we have time for question and answers. I I can come and do this once. We we do it sometimes as a series. I could do a three-part Bible study on a certain themes, so many different themes that we offer. I know a lot of you have did this with me last year, and so if you want to have me back, I'd be thrilled to come join you. It, for me, it was one of the greatest blessings this last year. One of the blessings of COVID was getting to meet uh, so many people from around the world, meeting with people.
people from the Philippines, from Singapore, from India, from Europe, and all over the, the United States and Canada as well. It's such a joy to get to know people who are listening to the podcast or people who are in small groups, they're in their parishes, they're in RCIA groups or parents of youth groups, Catholic school teachers, all different kinds of groups. So uh, if you have a, a small group there at, at your parish or a couples group, a men's group, a women's group, a Bible study group, email me at events.edwards3 at gmail.com. And my office will be in touch with you on how we can schedule a, a visit to your group uh, for a little session, Q&A, discussion time. Again, events.edwards3, that's Edward, S-R-I, at gmail.com. One more time, events.edwards3 at gmail.com to learn more about visiting your group virtually sometime here in the fall. Well, let's go back to this topic here of decisions and why we tend to agonize over decisions, second guess our decisions, put off difficult decisions, worry about our decisions. What's going on there? You know, Aquinas beautifully explains that there are a couple of reasons why we do this. And and I just love Aquinas because there's really no one else that I know that understands human nature so well. Uh, I mean, he, he just gets what friendship and family life is all about and 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 the, the things that inhibit us from living friendship and family life and our life with God well. So he maps out for us what are some of the reasons that we tend to struggle with making decisions sometimes, or or we tend to, to worry about our decisions, or we tend to put off our decisions. So what are some of the, the ways we, we fall in decisiveness? Well, first, he describes it as delay in execution. We delay carrying out a decision. In other words, we thought about it, we've prayed about it, we maybe got some counsel from a friend, or we talked to a spiritual director, and we have a good sense. We deep down know what we're supposed to do. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you kind of like, whenever you have something hard that you have to do, you have to have a hard conversation with someone at work. You have to make a difficult request to to someone in, the, in your parish or in the diocese in charge, and you really want this to happen, but you're not sure what they're going to think, or you have to have a difficult conversation with one of your kids maybe your spouse, uh, you, you make a judgment, you know, I'm supposed to do this, but you know it's going to be hard or you're not sh- you're not 100% sure, you're a little worried, well, what if it goes wrong? Yeah, so you, so you, but you kind of know enough, I think I'm supposed to do this, but you hesitate, you delay, you put it off. You know, I, I, what's, what's going on there? Why do we, if deep down we have that gut, we kind of know I'm supposed to do this, why do we tend to kick the can down the road? Why do we tend to delay a decision? Why do we hesitate? Well, Aquinas explains a couple of things. First of all, it could be fear of failure. Many times we're just afraid. It's our fear of failure. What if it goes wrong? What if, what if I didn't think it all through? What, what, if, what if I'm making a mistake? And it's that desire for control, that desire for perfection. I was just talking about this with my wife last night. Uh, this is a weakness I can have. You know, I like to think things through and think them through carefully. And, and I think that's a good thing. It's a gift I hope God has given me for my family and for the organizations I serve and all. But it can also lead me to a certain kind of perfectionism where I just have to have everything perfect, everything lined up so that nothing goes wrong. You know, there's no problems, there's no difficulties, there's no uh, struggles, and and, uh, there's no suffering, basically. I think it comes down maybe to like a fear of suffering and not just trusting God. You know, God wants me to just use my mind, do the best to make a good decision, and then go with it. And and you know what? If there was something I didn't see ahead of time in my decision-making process, if something goes wrong... You know, God's still in charge. Romans 8.28 reminds us of this, right? In all things, God works for what is good. In all things, 
you know, so uh, even if, you know, I, I gave my best, I tried to make a good decision and there's some other factors came into play, you know, I have to trust that in all things, God can work it out for good. That's, that's what he says, you know, it, for those who love him in everything, God works for good. Romans 8, 28. You know, sometimes we can anticipate another reason why we might delay a decision is we, we, we know how hard it's going to be. You know, we could be thinking, okay, I have to have this difficult conversation, but I hate conflict. Oh, I hate conflict. And, you know, I've never had to stand up to this person before. And what are they going to think of me? You know, they, <laughs> these things can happen in family dynamics, parish dynamics, workplace dynamics. Uh, and we anticipate how hard the thing is going to be. And so we put it off. Or maybe we don't like change. You know, maybe we we're, we realize I, I'm supposed to go in this new direction in life. I'm supposed to give this up. But I don't want to give this up. I like this a lot. And I don't want to have to make this change, you know, or uh, I, I don't know what it's going to be like if I make this change. What's my life going to look like? And is everything going to be okay? I, I'm afraid of change. I'm so afraid of change. And that keeps me from carrying out a good decision. Sometimes it's fear of what other people think of us. I'm afraid of what other people are going to think. Are they, are they going to be mad at me if I make this decision? Are they going to think less of me? Are they going to think I'm, um, I'm a bad person or I'm just being selfish? You know, so whatever it is, you know, I, I, I could be so worried about what other people think of me. So these are some of the reasons why we tend to delay carrying out a good decision. And it's good just to be aware of that so that we can tell ourselves, you know, I don't have to be a perfectionist. God's in charge. In everything, God works for good. I can realize maybe it's my vanity. I'm too worried about what other people are thinking of me. Uh, maybe it's my desire for control, or maybe it's my, uh, again, fear of, of how a situation is going to work out. And I just want to have everything all nicely lined up the way I want it lined up. And I'm not really surrendering to God. It's good for me to be aware. What is it that's keeping me from making a good decision? So then I can pray and surrender that to the Lord and help me to be more of a man or woman of decisive. But there's a second way we, we, we fall into the vice of indecisiveness, this weakness. It's, it's when we withdraw from a good decision. You know, so we, we, our mind tells us, okay, I think we're supposed to do this. And then we start to do this. We start down that road, but then we pull back. <laughs> so we actually started the process, but then we have second thoughts and we turn around. Uh, have you ever done that before, right? I think we all have. What, what, what's going on there? You know, what, what, what's happening? Well, I've seen this many times in my own life. I've seen it in other people's lives. Uh, I remember working, you know, working with college students. You'd see this where a guy or a gal, they're in a dating relationship and one of them realizes, I don't think this is working out. This isn't the kind of person I want to marry. I need to end the relationship. It's going to be really hard. We've dated for a year and what's my life going to be without this person? But then they finally decide I need to break up and then they break up, you know, and there's tears and sorrow. But then a couple days later, you know, the guy misses the girl, the girl's really sad. And he's like, Oh, I, I miss their friendship. I don't want to hurt them. Maybe, maybe somehow we could try to work it out again. Maybe we'll start anew. And then they go back to the relationship. How many times have I seen, um, breakups not really carry out. And then it's just basically causing more heartache because they go through the breakup like multiple times. <laughs> It'd be better to just be decisive, break up and move on. Let the girl go. Let the girl cry for a little bit right now. And then she's free then to see the truth that this isn't the right relationship so that she's free 
to look for someone else. It's actually more kind and loving to just let the girl go. Don't just try to hold on because you have these sentimental feelings or these, these memories together and you just want to cling on to the relationship. That's actually not loving. If you know that this isn't the one you're going to marry, break up and be decisive about it so that you can love her and free her up to go find the person she's supposed to marry. <laughs> you know, so that that's a great example I, I've seen many times uh, in in young people's lives. But it's not just young people, it's also us married folk. How many times have we failed in decisiveness in parenting our children where we saw this is what we need to do? We, we need to do this with one of our kids or we need to discipline a child on this. Like we're sensing this is a little bit off. This child needs a little more discipline. They need to be reined in. We need to hold them accountable more. That could be a little toddler. Uh, it could be a seven-year-old. It could be a 17-year-old <laughs> where we kind of know this is what we're supposed to do. And then we start down that pathway with that child. We start setting boundaries, setting up parameters. We, we, we start to discipline them. And then what happens? You know, let's say it's like that little six-year-old and we, we tell them, no, don't do this. And then they throw a temper tantrum. And, and then at that moment, we're tempted to appease the child saying, oh, I just don't want to have to deal with this child. This child's breaking down. This child's going to embarrass me in, in public here at the grocery store. Or, or I don't, I don't, I'm too exhausted to deal with this child here. I'll just let them have what they want. And we think we're doing that in order to create peace in the home. <laughs> But really, let's be honest, in many of those situations, it's our own selfishness. I just don't want to have to deal with this now. I don't have the energy. I don't have the time. Uh, it's just, I think, I, I tell myself, it's, it's just going to be easier. I'll just, I'll just give in or I won't, I won't take their phone away from them. I won't, I won't set up parameters around what they watch because you know, it's just going to be too much of a battle. But when, when it's our own selfishness, our own fear of doing something difficult, our lack of courage actually is really the heart of this. Uh, it actually ends up hurting the child because every time, every time we we let them we give let them give in to their temper tantrum when they're a little child, or every time when they're in those you know junior high and high school years, and we have to hold them accountable on something hard. You know, I'm the only one without the phone, or I'm the only one that can't watch this movie, and and well, I'll just cave so that I'll you know let you you know do this even though I know this isn't good for your soul. That that's not loving. That's not actually helpful for them. It's a false kind of peace. You know, I think about how our indecisiveness, our indecisiveness hurts people. We can hurt our children. We can hurt our friends when we don't carry out difficult decisions. I think about Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate on Good Friday, he knew what was right. He knew the truth. He knew that Jesus was innocent. The Bible tells us, Matthew tells us that he knows that it was all about envy, that the chief priests were envious of Jesus. They were just setting him up. He knows Jesus isn't a real revolutionary deserving crucifixion. Pilate knew that. He knew what real rebels look like, you know, and he knows Jesus is not a real threat to Rome. But even though he tries many times, he knows the truth. He's made a decision in his mind. He's made a right judgment. Jesus is innocent. But yet, because of the pressure that the chief priests put on him, the pressure the crowds are putting on him, crucify him, crucify him. If you release this man, you're no friend of Caesar. That pressure, that fear of what other people think of him, that fear of what, of what Caesar will think of him, it drives Pilate to not carry out a good decision. And as a result, an innocent man, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, suffers 
because of Pilate's lack of decisiveness. Now, ultimately, it was his lack of courage to do the hard thing that led to him being indecisive and not carrying out the good decision he made in his mind that Jesus was innocent. He knew that. <laughs> but, but it was his lack of courage in doing the difficult things that led him to, not, to, to withdraw from his good decision and not release Jesus. He tried many times, but he, he didn't have the character to do the right thing. You see, when we don't have decisiveness, it's not just a little character flaw for myself. Well, it's a little weakness I got to work on. I need to develop a, a personal improvement plan. <laughs> no, no, your, your wife needs you to be more of a decisive husband. Your, your children need you to be a more decisive mother. Your, your friends in, in the parish, your friends in your community, your friends in, uh, in your workplace, you know, the people that you lead, the people you serve need you to be a, de- a decisive leader, not one that's always going back and forth and worrying about what other people think and withdrawing from good decisions. How do we do this? How do we overcome this? Well, you know, Augustine, I write about this in, in, my, in my book, The Art of Living, page 94. I write about how Augustine explains from his own experience why we tend to be indecisive. You know, if you know Augustine's story, he, he was someone that knew Christianity. You know, he was going through this big conversion. He had lived a very pagan lifestyle, you know, very uh, decadent lifestyle, giving in to, to unchastity, sexual relationships. And I mean, he comes to this conviction that Jesus Christ and the Catholic Church is the truth, is the way to go. You know, he wants, he realizes the Catholic Church is the true church and he wants to give his life to Christ. But yet he has a pattern of behavior of living an unchaste life. And so he wants to become Catholic, but not wholeheartedly. And that's the key. He has a divided heart. He only gives a half-hearted command. I want to follow Jesus. <laughs> only half-heartedly. It's not with his whole heart. Uh, he describes, do you remember his famous prayer, St. Augustine? He prays to God, give me chastity, but not yet. <laughs> It's like he wants chastity, but not right now. He doesn't want to have to give up the his his sexual lifestyle right now. He so he's trying to delay this decision, right? <laughs> and why is that? It's because he wants chastity, but not wholeheartedly. He doesn't plant the flag. He describes how it's as if he has this battle within him of these two wills. You know, like he like a part of him wants chastity, but another part of him doesn't. That's the issue. Whenever we're indecisive, and at least in carrying out a good judgment that we we deep down know we should do this, but we don't carry it out, it's because we're we're our, our heart is divided. And and what's the solution? How do we become more decisive in our lives, men and women who are decisive? I think it's the model of Jesus. Jesus in Luke chapter 9, verse 53, a turning point in his public ministry. He's been preaching the gospel, healing every disease and infirmity all around Galilee, but then suddenly he's going to make this beeline to Jerusalem where he knows he's going to be handed over to the chief priests and killed, crucified. And, and he knows this. He's the son of God. He knows he, once he starts walking to Jerusalem, it's the walking, it's the march toward his death. The end of his life is coming. It's intense suffering for him. But what does he do? Luke 9, 53 says, he set his face to Jerusalem. I love that image. He set his face toward Jerusalem. The, the, the biblical description describes his determination to go, to go to the holy city of Jerusalem, to go to the cross. 
Uh, it's his resoluteness here. You know, he doesn't hesitate. He doesn't second guess. He doesn't look back. He keeps his eyes focused on his purpose. He set his face toward Jerusalem. No matter how painful it's going to be, no matter how difficult this path is going to be, he's committed to it. He gives a wholehearted commitment. He plants his flag. He doesn't give that half-hearted commitment. He doesn't say, let me go to Jerusalem, but not yet. <laughs> like, like Augustine, give me chastity, but not yet. That's not what he does. He set his face toward Jerusalem. Now, I want to share with you, this is uh, something I wrote in my, in my book, The Art of Living, on page 95. I'm quoting from the bottom of 95 uh, about this point. Uh, listen to uh, how we can live out decisiveness and set our face toward Jerusalem when we have to do that difficult thing, whatever that is. Jesus wants us to pray more. He wants us to serve the poor and give up money. He wants us to give us give up a certain show we're watching. We know we should not watch this show, but we, we're too attached to it. Everyone else is watching it. What will people think of me if I don't watch this show anymore? But I know I probably should be watching this as a Christian disciple of Jesus. <laughs> you know, when we have to do hard things, have those hard conversations, whatever it is, we have to set our face to Jerusalem. How do we do that? Page 95 from The Art of Living. When we realize it is time to give something up, make a change, turn away from sin, have a difficult conversation with someone, end a relationship, end a job, move to a new place, or take on a new challenge. When we come to realize what we need to do, we need to act decisively. The moment calls us to act not with a half-hearted, hesitant yes. We need to press forward with determination, like a soldier going into battle resisting the wayward emotions that will try to stop us. <laughs> Let me pause that right there. I think that's what's, that's what's going on here. We make a decision with our mind, with the truth guiding us. We know what we should do, but it's our emotions, our wayward emotions that keep us from carrying out that decision. Fear, fear of what other people think, fear of suffering, fear of lack of control. Uh, all those fears and emotions take over. That's the heart of the issue here. I'll read on. We need to keep our eye on the goal and like Jesus set our face toward Jerusalem. We must move forward with our good decision and not look back at our attachments and disordered emotions. Because if we look back, we likely will go back. That's what we need to do. Let's name those emotions. And I often do this. I'll just say, Jesus, I know I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm afraid of what people are going to think of me if I do this. I'm afraid uh, of failure if I move forward in this decision. I'll, I'll go to Jesus. I'll just name my fears. Jesus, I, I, I'm afraid of what, what my child is going to think of me. <laughs> I, I'm afraid that it's going to really damage our relationship if I hold him accountable on this. Or I'm afraid of uh, what the people in the office are going to think of me if I lead in this direction. They're not going to like this new direction, but it's the thing we need to do. And I, I'm afraid of what they're going to think of me. If I, I just name these things and I lay them at the feet of Jesus. And I surrender them and I remember what St. Paul says, that in everything God works for good with those who love him. So we want to march with our face toward Jerusalem, name those enemies within our soul, those errant emotions, those disordered emotions that are trying to, to like on the battlefield, to prevent us from marching forward toward our destination to walk with Jesus. Let's name them, ask Jesus to help us with them. So name those fears to, in prayer. Ask Jesus to help us not be slaves to those emotions. Let us not be a slave to, to, to what those fears are trying to tell us and, uh, and prevent us from doing. And then, and then let's persevere, march forward, and carry out the good decisions God has in store for us. 
Well, thanks so much for listening. Again, if you would like to learn more uh, and uh, about how I can come visit your your group, your Bible study group, your men's group, your women's group, email me at events.edwards3 at gmail.com. Whether you've never done this before and you want to check it out, or maybe you're one of the groups that I visited last year and you'd, you'd like to have me back again, email me at events.edwards3, edwardsri at gmail.com, and we can set up a virtual event for your small group. Thanks so much for listening. And as always, you can reach me on Facebook, Instagram, or you can find me on Twitter or my website, edwardsree.com. God bless.